You're listening to The Sauropod. I'm Justin Zeppa, and on behalf of my co-host, Mr. Aaron Bales, this is Van Splanen. Okay, okay, so Aaron, Eddie comes on stage and he's like, Okay. Okay, but then he's all like, Right. Okay, but then he's like, Taken out of the context of the band, it's definitely not as exciting. Okay, but then he's like, Okay. I knew we'd get there. You're listening to the mighty Vans Playman. And the crowd's just like, Eddie, 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 Eddie. They're just chanting. Oh, okay. All right, all you little dreamers and atomic punks, it's Justin Zeppa here with another episode of Van Splainin'. I'd like to bring on for you now my co-host, Mr. Aaron Bales. Hi, Aaron. You know, we were we were just having a pretty interesting discussion about presidential order of succession. You just blew my mind with some trivia. Well, yeah, that was that was interesting because I, I referenced <laughs> I referenced uh, Paul Ryan, who is second in line after the vice president. I referenced incorrectly referenced him as Eddie Haskell and then I realized no it's Eddie Munster is what I meant to say mm-hmm. and then we looked up Eddie Munster because I was <laughs> you know comparing the the similarities realized Eddie Munster's official name Edward Wolfgang Munster oh my god <laughs> that I mean worlds are colliding yeah uh, wow the symbiosis of all that like who knew that uh, little little Butch Patrick would be involved in Van Splanen yeah. I mean, with his, did, did Eddie know with his Eddie and Wolfgang? I mean, it's yeah. he would have been he would have been just a little a little Eddie at that time himself uh, when when the Munsters were on the air in the early '60s. He probably not the same age. He would be a little bit younger than the actual Eddie Munster. But is it possible he actually is? Eddie Munster? Oh, one and the same? Like, like you remember the thing about Marilyn Manson and the... Uh, oh, the kid from the Wonder Years. <laughs> fake news, by the way. That's fake news. Has been debunked yes. several times over. Yeah. But has it? <laughs> I, Is what I would well, I mean, how much certainty can we say about anything these days? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, truth it, is optional. It's a, it's a post-factual world. Right. And you can take that to the bank. And for, for the record... Tre- Secretary of the Treasury Steve Mnuchin is fifth in line. Who's number four? So you got Mike Pence, okay, Paul Ryan, mm-hmm. President po- Pro Tempore of the Senate Orrin Hatch. Oh man, number three, who you know at least comes out and says he doesn't like Nazis, which is big news these days. That's true. Um, it's important. S- to number do. four is Rex Tillerson. Oh no! Then you get your Steve Mnuchin's. And uh, so on and so forth. Down number thirteen, Ben Carson. Oh wow! Number fifteen, wow. just an all-star that's, cast. Betsy DeVos. I mean, <laughs> just look at President his DeVos, Lady DeVos. Just, it hurts the heart. Wow. The the. I mean, how amazing would that be? Okay, say there is. I mean, not amazing, tragic. I, I guess. Because yeah, I mean, um, what what would have to happen to lead to that? Right. right like some. Uh. You know, eight helicopters crash, yeah. and all of a sudden. 
Rex Tillerson, who doesn't even want to be in the position he's in now, is suddenly the president? Yeah. Oh, so, uh, politics and smolitics, Aaron. Yeah, hopefully hopefully we didn't lose too many people there. We're going to get back to Eddie. Yeah, we're going to get back to... Yeah. We're, this is Van Splainin', yeah. Aaron. So we're going to talk about the thing that's on everybody's mind, the new single from Taylor Swift, which, which landed the other day. Have you heard it yet? I, I heard it once. It, any not, takes? Any hot takes? I mean, it's just... it's boring nothing catchy about it to me the taylor's dead on the phone thing was like that can go that can go i mean the whole thing is and i'm pro taylor on the phone because she does that little bit about uh maybe it's not her on the of the uh is it never getting back together does she do a phone thing on that she might yeah one of them doesn't she probably should she's talking on the phone yeah any any of her talking things but uh, yeah i just she gave uh co-writing credit to the right said fred guys on that song did she she did oh okay well on, great like and I, I read something about that an, an interview with one of the right said fred guys who was probably a really excited just to have someone interviewing him <laughs> and b sure i mean can, can you imagine getting that getting the word from taylor swift's people you know we're gonna co- we're gonna we're gonna give you co-writing credit on this song mm-hmm I mean, I think at that point, you just start thinking, like, what am I going to do with all that money? All that money. Because <laughs> it's going to be, I mean, like, we're all talking about it. Even Van Splanen is yeah. talking about it right now. Uh, I thought it was okay. It's all right. It's not one of her better singles, but I, I kind of like the murder mystery angle of, of the entire thing. Okay. Although, the, uh, you're right, the phone thing can go. Like, you got to stop. I'm fine with the phone thing. I just, to me, that's <sighs> the only know, thing man. that was memorable about my one listen. You got to, you got to. Like, uh, I couldn't tell you the chorus. I couldn't refer to yourself in the third person necessarily, <laughs> unless you're hosting a, a sweet podcast. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what Aaron would do. That's <laughs> Justin agrees. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we're here. This is episode two, ep two of Van explaining we're pleased to have you listening still if if you are still listening if you didn't check out after episode one uh, so what's what's the second van halen album is that diver down or is it just like it would be uh two van halen two actually uh so but we're gonna go so we're gonna get into the music i promise you we're getting into the music chomping at the bit on that i know man so what's amazing in this world of uh of the internet uh, the information age, as we've uh, previously discussed, is that a lot of stuff is now available that was never available when when we were kids. As far as like videos and uh, bootlegs and things like that, you can all find it on a little place called the YouTube. You know, one of the best things that uh, Tom Green shared it with me, mm-hmm. mutual acquaintance and fellow Flatfoot guitar player. Absolutely, Tom Green. yep. The this live. Now, see, it's Ronnie Wood. It's the, the Ronnie Wood song, Mystifies Me. Okay. Which I first became aware of because it was on that first Sunvolt record. Oh, they and, do a cover of it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they, they, you know, it's pretty cool. And then the album version is not the best. Man, this live version of it, it's it's him. And, you know, Keith is the other guitar player. And oh, okay. I'm sure it's Ian McElagalaga, whatever his name is, mm-hmm. from the faces is doing keys. Sure. And Rod Stewart is uh, singing backup. He's singing the chorus. Okay. <laughs> and he's on stage in a chair. And when he stands up, because he, he he's out of the way, you know, he's just mm-hmm. sitting beside the drums in a chair. Mm-hmm. And when he comes up to do the chorus, 
he takes off his jacket and he's got over his shoulder with like one finger. Sounds like him. Just tearing into it. <laughs> and then once the chorus is done, he just sits down because what's he what's he gonna do? You what, know what else do you want from me? Right. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna watch you blokes play guitar. Right. I'm saying that that's a bold choice. You know, art is about choices. Some people choose to saunter up to the microphone with a, a jacket casually slung over their shoulder. Yeah. And some people jump off the drum kit and do a splits in the air. With a cape. Yeah, wearing a spangly cape. There's but, only one of those that you can do when you're seventy. And own a place, you know? But you got to stretch. Always stretch, folks. I can't <laughs> can't stress that enough. You don't want to pull it anything. Can't, it can't come back. I mean, once you lose that, yeah. He's still doing that stuff, which is, is the crazy. Well, not that one in particular, okay. but he's still kicking his leg up. It's great. We'll, we'll get into it. But remember our rule, Aaron? Well, rule, rule one. Rule one, ignore the, ignore singer. the singer. Okay, so we're going to talk about, uh, we're talking about Edward here. So if, if any of you have any interest in uh, Eddie and where he came from, what his background is, is uh, i'll give you the the rundown he uh him and his brother and family presumably because they were kids his parents they all came uh from the netherlands over to uh california was was eddie born in der netherlands he was born in the netherlands and uh nimjin i believe is what it's called I believe he was born in 1955 Uh, the the date is always a little fuzzy 55 to 57 he was born somewhere around there uh, so, and they moved when he was fairly young uh, to Pasadena, California. And then he, uh, as the story goes, he was originally the drummer, the drummer brother, and Alex had the guitar. And then eventually it became obvious that, well, this kid's really good on the guitar. And so Eddie was just to say, they decided to swap, right. basically. Huh. So that's how we get the brothers. Uh, in the starting in the late 60s probably to early 70s they start playing a, in a rock combo this is a the, the heyday it's of rock and roll fertile time for that in a fertile location absolutely california yeah. you know in the in the 60s wow 60s and 70s so uh, all this leads up to um the things that you can find on YouTube. And as I was wandering around there the other day, I ran into something very interesting. So as we discussed in the previous episode, uh, the year 2018 is the 40th anniversary of the release of Van Halen one, the the debut smash album, which has sold some 15 million copies or something like that. But I found a recording from of, of Van Halen, the band from 1974. Oh, so okay. at this point, Eddie is 19 years old. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm a, I was a little hesitant to check this out because I kind of feel like as far as uh, the arts go, you want to stick with the canon. You want to stick with what the artist is delivering to you and saying, this is like signed, sealed, delivered, baby. It's yours. This is, this is ready. Right. I mean, you, you have to be a particular level of fan to read like harper lee's rough drafts or whatever absolutely and those people are out there and i get it you know i i got a box set i one of my favorite records of all time is layla by Derek and the dominoes sure i mean it's got the story Classic. it's got the songs mm-hmm. and there's a, a box set i got you know in, in college and mm-hmm. it had one disc that was like five jams including one where some of the almond brothers Sort of were wandered into the studio and, sure. like, in the middle of the songs. Oh, okay, it, it was 
You can so, hear you know, the, the cables cool plugging into the yeah. things. Yeah. And then the other one is a bunch of outtakes. Mm-hmm. There's a reason and they're outtakes there sometimes. Is. Yeah. I mean, there's there's actually two or three of them that are keepers. But yeah, I mean, so much of that stuff, like you say, it's it's not for the faint of heart. Well, and it doesn't it's not going to ruin the the actual official stuff in any right. way but it is sort of like it it adds another dimension to your enjoyment i guess yeah. uh, or your impression of of that artist and their art like I guess. hearing hearing the uh the, the allman brothers the the greg and Dwayne pre-allman brothers the allman joys mm-hmm. it's not good i well, mean and i didn't like it's one of those you know you could probably hear some of the roots of what's going on but i don't know that i'd want tons of people hearing the stuff that that jason and i were doing the first year i learned how to play guitar yeah exactly yeah well and i've got i've got some recordings from when i was 19 or 20 and boy they're just not so good you know there's nothing there's not a whole lot of interest there yeah you know as far as loose jamming goes or whatever it's it's all practice is what it comes down to. So it's like, why do I want to? Why would I ever uh, disgrace some beautiful art by uh, weaseling my way into this p- very personal practice and putting my 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 stuff together mode? Well, so Van, so Van, explain this to me then. Okay. Why are we going? Are we going in the time machine? We are going to go in the time machine. So why are we going back to seventy four? Like Van, Van explained this in the uh, the greater. Okay, so the big picture. The context for this is actually. Hold on, let me. We're going to go to some text here. Oh, okay. um, I didn't know this was on the uh, the quiz. <laughs> so just uh, if, if this is not edited out, I want people to know that Justin has an actual paper book. In pretty good shape. It's paperback. It's new. It is. It, it, I just got it a couple weeks ago. So, so the brothers are playing around in Southern California yeah. in high school. They're like teenagers, yeah. right? So... But like almost immediately, this legend starts to grow of of this amazing kid on the guitar. Yeah, he's he is woodshedded enough. Yeah, that, I mean it's it's obvious, right? And and they've woodshedded together too. We should yeah. add, you know, like sure. the, they, the brothers play together almost exclusively in their careers. So and this a lot of this information comes from Greg Renoff's book Van Halen Rising uh from ecw press and it's fantastic it's a great read okay. he talks to all the people who who were back there back in the day in the late 60s early 70s when when the uh the fellows were coming up and like to a person they all say like yeah it's he's just jaw dropping mm-hmm. like he's like 15 or whatever so like so there's this he's guy blowing minds already right okay so guitarist eric hensel discovers genesis which was the original name of the band oh what oh okay um and so this is 1971 so you know they're like 16 this this comes directly from uh from greg's book here but hensel who'd started catching every genesis performance he could ascertained that edward was more than a gifted mimic up to that point he says i'd seen almost everybody who was anybody already page clapton beck i'd seen them all I'm going, man, I paid money to see guys who aren't as good as this kid. He had that great-sounding Marshall stack on 10, and he'd plug straight in with that Les Paul. The combination of the two was just stunning. He was either singing and playing or just playing. He just barely moved. He just stood there and played better than 90% of the people I'd paid money to see. I felt so lucky to be able to spend t- to stand 10 feet away from somebody who was that un- 
unbelievably good. Gosh, that's exciting. That makes makes me want to go back and see that. Yeah, I think so. This is the point. So, like everybody in this book says the same thing, and it sounds like a lot of talk, right? It sounds like a lot of. Well, uh, it mean, could that, be, you know, I was there too, and now it was yeah. awesome. I don't know. Knowing what he was later, I me, mean, I think people, a lot of people, get good at that point. Like that's that's that time when you. Well, that's it's kind of like make it or break it time, and that's mm-hmm. when and you've got the free time when you're that age, and your your gray matter is the most uh, ripe, yep. most absorbent, I guess. So, if you want to dedicate the hours, and also they point out, like everybody says that Eddie was always practicing, like he played all the time, like he had gifts, but like he he's in that woodshed, right. you know, he's in there, he's chopping that wood. Yes. So before we go back in time, let me ask you this: You like uh, ZZ Top? You know I do. Can I? Yeah, can, get into I, it. I expand on yeah, that a sure. Bit? Right. I would love so, it. Again, that's one of those things that it was like, uh, you know, if it's on the radio, I'd listen to it, but I wouldn't seek it out necessarily. Mm-hmm. But recently, I did a little seeking out, and because it, it occurs to me that some of that '80s stuff is so weird and menacing. Oh, you think so? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, please explain. I mean, all that, like, some of those things on Eliminator where I don't know how they do the drums. I mean, it sounds like a drum machine. I don't think it probably is. Might have been synth drums were very big at the you time. It could be. Mm-hmm. What, what's the guy's name? Is it is that a Frank Beard? Ooh, I, don't, I, just, I just know Billy. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's Billy and, oh, man, I, sh- I know the bass player's name. I think I think it's funny because the one that's the drummer who's named Beard does is the one without the beard. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I think is the is the is the deal. That's a great gimmick. But they, some of those those sounds they're making on those records are they're pretty out there, and it's 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 got like this almost futuristic menace undertone to it, where it's still it was playing on pop radio, but mm-hmm. like um, she's got me under pressure. Do you know that one? I don't know. Oh yeah. All right. So we may uh, ZZ ZZ explain that to you. Okay. Matt. ZZ's you, tops. You know <laughs> it. It may not come to mind, but you know it. You've, you've okay. heard it before. Okay. But it's all right. It's yeah. It's like it's like heavy and yeah, it just has this this futuristic, almost like like eighties futuristic Blade Runner sort of weird vibe to it interesting yeah because they are for those of you who don't know i mean do people out there not know who zz top is I think like they have to they're power trio from texas i believe like kind of uh you know very blues based very tight yeah. outfit uh I mean, you look at something like a pop blues like a lagrange which is mm-hmm. which is definitely like john lee hooker sort of you know that's straight straight ahead sure well, I mean, and his voice is a little doomy on that too, but well, he's he's pretty gloom and doom yeah. most of the time. I mean, he's but, and and like Jesus left Chicago and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, and that's that's all pretty straightforward. But I mean, some of those like Eliminator, it it gets it gets out there a little bit. Okay, I don't I'll know. I don't know what I'm that's curious about, about like sci-fi Texas blues kind of like it is just and I'm dystopian Texas it blues is a little bit, yeah. I hope they're from. They're from Texas, aren't they? I keep yeah. saying. Oh yeah, no, okay. no, for sure. <laughs> but, I'm I mean, not 100. In this under pressure song, there's this one line where he talks about, you know, she might get out a nightstick and hurt me real, real bad. Oh man, by the roadside in the desert, <laughs> she's got me under pressure. Oh, that does. Oh, I like the sound of it's, that. It's intense. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
it's like a it becomes a Scorsese film all yeah, of a sudden. I mean, really? Put him in the trunk. Yeah. <laughs> Stir the sauce. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 different than legs, you know. Yeah, for sure. Or it's, tush. Yeah, that kind of thing. I mean, we <laughs> Any all of these body parts. We all know. Right. <laughs> forearm. <laughs> Elbow. Elbow. Elbow, bow, bow. That sounds good. We should uh, copyright us. We'll work on that later. There's, uh, I, I had a period in college where I was really into the Black Crows. Sure. And they, there's some interview where they're talking about, you know, this now infamous, I guess, tour where they opened for ZZ Top and it was <laughs> sponsored by, like, you know, Bud Light or someone. Sure. And they would come on every night, and they'd be like, you know, we're not sponsored by Bud Light. We're brought to you by Rock and Roll. And they got <laughs> kicked off the tour. Mm-hmm. And and they were talking about how, how like cheesy ZZ Top was at that point. And, and Rich Robinson was like, you know, and the sad thing is, you know, I just hear, hear Billy warming up. And he had this incredible, like, guitar tone and slide tone and all that. But yeah. then he had some sort of, like, house of amplifiers that he'd play in or I don't, I don't even know but well, well yeah that sounds about right that they got mm-hmm. huge in arena e but interesting yeah, zz top i mean that's that's weird stuff man well the reason i ask you is because uh in the early days as all bands are van halen was a cover band so mm-hmm. they had a a, a a vast repertoire of rock hits from the age. Dusty Hill, I think, is the bass player. Dust, yeah, that sounds the, right. Yeah. yeah, they definitely sorry, have a Dusty. So, so yes. they, they come in, which, and I know I, I wasn't supposed to do any Van Halen looking up. Okay. I didn't. Okay. I'm, uh, you know, just the way I was before we talked about this podcast. That's great. But yeah, I mean, you, like, the first album has You Really Got Me, right? Absolutely. That's Eruption into, so, and. Yeah. An Ice Cream Man's a blues song. Yep, that's a John Brim song. Yeah, that's so, an old classic. You got so yeah. I mean, you, you can tell that they're from that cover. Yeah, and that was background. just how so at the time and in, in L.A. That was like how you got to play certain clubs if you were an up and coming band, as you they wanted top forty or whatever. And but like the the brothers, I think veered more towards uh, heavier stuff. Your Deep Purple's Cream. They were okay. like notorious for playing like note for note renditions of like whole Cream albums. Okay. Uh, Sa- early Sabbath too was another one, but they also did did some ZZ Top at the time too. So oh, interesting. Yeah. So let's let's check out ZZ Top's. Let's, do you know the song Chevrolet? No. Okay. So Chevrolet is off of uh, 1972's Rio Grande Mud. Is it Rio Grande or Rio Grande? I think of it as Rio Grande. Rio Grande Mud. Yeah, the Grandy Ballroom is what I'm thinking of. Oh, and that's, okay. that's not right. Rio Grande Mud, 1972, with ZZ Top on Van Splanen with Chevrolet. <laughs> Definitely sounds like 1972. Yeah. Is this a Ford recording? This, is the, this is the album, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, this is them. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> so I want to give you a taste of the original. You get the idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
good hook. Yeah, it is. Let's do a little riff, a little riff breakdown. Oh, okay. And then we're going to go right into a solo. Billy's going to solo for you. Classic. It's all feel, you know? This all one take, you think, or is there probably laying? I'm, I'm guessing they probably did this live. Well, this is what they call the pocket, folks. He's in there. I mean, it has to be because there's there's rhythm guitar there, so I'm just overdubbed, but it's just uh, one. I would, yeah. yeah. So you get the idea. Chevrolet, ZZ Top. Yeah. So anyway, so we're gonna get back into our rock and roll time machine, and we're gonna oh, okay, we're gonna it. go we're gonna go to the Sunset Strip. I'm gonna take my Dramamine this time. Yeah, that was a rough trip last time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we're gonna get back in here. Going to Gazzari. Okay, so uh, how was that ride for you, oh, by the way? A little better, a little smoother for you. Yeah, you'll get used to yeah, it. I might get used to it. Yeah, so you'll you'll look around and you'll notice it's 1974 in uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, they still had color back at this point. They not, did, yeah. Not all the way back to black and white. No, things. no, not quite, not quite. Um, so it's a cool, uh, I believe, a, a November evening here. Uh, we're going to a little club, a very unfashionable at the time, apparently, according to uh, Mr. Renoff's book, a uh, club called Gazzari's. And uh, we're going to go see a little band called Van Halen, who is... Uh, were they Van Halen at this point? They, at this point, I think they are Van Halen. Like no longer Genesis. And they have recently acquired a new bass player named michael anthony michael anthony like horowitz or no nope, just or? michael anthony just uh just two first names first name michael yeah last name first anthony. name anthony yeah okay. exactly like carmelo anthony yeah a little bit a little bit like mellow um we should start calling michael anthony mellow anthony no. maybe <laughs> i think he would like that mellow michael <laughs> Because he certainly is. He's always been uh, considered a fan favorite because he does seem to have the least amount of baggage. Right, yeah. <laughs> no last name, no baggage, no problem. No problem, man. I'm just plunking on the plunker over here. Uh, so we're going to go in now and we're going to see this. I don't know. I've heard rumors of this this hotshot guitar player, uh, yeah, this Edward yeah, Van Halen kid. He's, Eddie guy. he's 19 years old. Let's check it out. Chevrolet. So we can hear he's worked in some fills there. Michael Anthony's a lot more active, too. Yeah, he's all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> 
the breakdown. Into the solo. Do you think it's going to be note for note, Aaron? some idea okay so we got to go back let's let's go back all right we're safely back in 2017 all right thoughts so you know what i notice Mm -hmm. i mean a it's it's his playing style for sure yeah like you you can tell that that's even at 19 yeah he he had figured i mean some of that stuff and i i don't know enough about that time period specifically to know who was playing like that at that Mm -hmm. point it doesn't sound like 1974 to me. No, there's I mean, it just it just not doesn't. many peers, you yeah. know. And I guess the the other thing I notice is that he gets out of the way too. I mean, he is. It seems like he he serves the song. He does this the squiddly doos. I mean, he does when it's when it's time, it fits, and you right. want that. Yeah, and, yeah. And but then he's that, right so into that, that rhythm. Oh, that yeah. rhythm, like he doesn't he doesn't keep soloing. And uh, you know, there's certainly times where it's appropriate to solo over, bringing the chorus back in. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah, he just seamlessly goes right back into the 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 riff and back and off and yeah, yeah, singing and so on. The show we're going to be talking a lot about. Uh, a couple of things, one being tone and yeah. the other being technique. I feel like there should be a third T. I've been tr- like racking my brain for a third T. I feel like there should be three T's like that. We they'll, can say like come. three T's time. So if you think of anything, let me know. Like his use of tremolo or something. Right. Okay. So great yeah. points. Let's get into technique here. You'll notice that the hallmarks of what people would say is like classic Van Halen, uh, which would be your he's tapping. Got, he's, yep. He's got some tapping. He's got the dive. The, the dive. They're not there, though. That's not what you think it is. Oh, like, okay. There's like he hadn't he hadn't done the tapping thing at this point. Right. Yeah. That, I didn't I didn't hear any tapping. Right. Yet. Right. But he's known. That's like his trademark yeah. thing. That's his revolution. But that's just classic uh, blues didn't, rock. Didn't he do a dive in there? He, uh, no dives because at this point I believe he's playing a gold top Les Paul. Oh, okay. So he's doing a lot of like uh, deep slides, basically slide across the neck that okay. gives you that impression of that kind of right. thing. Um, but not using the actual bar. But yeah, he doesn't start using the bar until a couple of years later, like almost right before the the first album. Mm-hmm. So that, but like at this point, he's already got like his phrasing is already there. Yeah, oh yeah. So for you uh, non-player folks for the civilians the when we talk about phrasing we're talking about like the notes and when they appear within a certain amount of time within that song how i don't know how how would you describe it aaron yeah i mean you sort of got a balance here because i'm i'm not a non-musician but i'm also not the most technical guy so Mm -hmm. yeah it's like that you know definition of obscenity that i 
I know it when I see it, right? Sure. I mean, like some of his his notes, it's like water pouring out of his guitar. You know, it's, yeah, it's very it's fluid, very very fluid and fast, and, and that's that's hard to come by. That's the oh, woodshed at work yeah, there, and and it's not it's not all fumbly. I mean, it, it's it's confident. He, like some of those some of those runs. Now yeah. there's there's some stuff where you can tell he's stretching himself as he's playing where where it does get a little i mean it, it's got that live sure like we are working live there's not a net here i mean he right it's not flawless um was that by, by the way was, was that a reference to their 1986 live album <laughs> live without a net no well, it well just maybe became subconsciously one. <laughs> it was <laughs> well okay so because that's the uh, is it's not it wasn't too perfect either no it was it's loose i mean it's yeah. outside and like you can tell some That's of those bands bad. yeah i mean they come and they go but by and i mean come, so so you've played shows for a long time mm-hmm. now at this point like you know the playing live experience for for the civilians out there it's chaos like you don't know what when you're up there playing your instrument yeah. you don't know what's going on and, and sometimes everything is going wrong sometimes you can't hear yourself sometimes it's crazy i mean i don't I don't hear any of that though. No, no, they're just so locked in. Yeah, I mean they sound very tight, and so we should we should talk at this point. Like they've been playing together. Dave joins the band, I think seventy three, okay, somewhere around there. Uh, Michael's just joined this this year, but I mean the brothers. I mean you can tell they've been playing together for a long time. Like those drums are with it too. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Um, now when we talk about tone the tone's kind of there too like mm-hmm. it that sounds like his Marshall super lead like it that, does and he's also using a wah pedal it yeah, sounds no, is like that, is that something that happens later because i did notice the wah uh it doesn't I, I feel like he he had a wah pedal and then it sort of like went out of his rig when he started getting into like the phase shifter and all that but i mean he's using it there i mean it sounds great like he's getting the tonal shifts he's looking for but it sounds very crunchy and overdriven like you want it to be i don't know it doesn't sound too dissimilar from from the early records right oh no no um now what's weird about that so you got this tight band and this kid on the guitar who is like melting faces at age you know 16 to 19 or whatever and they don't get signed for another three years like they gig around how that is interesting everybody said that the guitar player was too frenetic and psychedelic Mm-hmm. Like he was too scary. It was it was just too much, too many notes, as they say yeah. in the movies. You know, yeah. They eventually they stumble into the uh, the crosshairs of Kiss of of all people hmm. uh, of all bands. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Paul Stanley takes credit for it, but I think Gene would take credit for it. But I, I bet he would. Yeah, you know Gene. But Gene basically runs into these guys. I think through the Runaways. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. Because the Runaways are, are out there playing in the 70s on the Strip as well. So, like, they're all around and all the bands kind of know each other. And so so Gene goes to L.A. like before Kiss goes on tour and he he talks to the Runaways. And I think I think it was Lita who Lita Ford who mm-hmm. said, like, you got to check out this band Van Halen. They're they're awesome. You got to check out this guitar player. So Gene goes and sees them. And uh, is kind of smitten with the whole scene and records a demo with them, and but he can't get anybody to, to bite on it. He can't even get his own record company to bite on it. And it's for him, it's probably, it's not one of these like, you know, I, I don't know if it's a real story or not, but that whole Eric Clapton in the movie theater. Oh, yeah. With, the, um, um, with Pete Townsend. Yeah, with Pete Townsend after, yes. after seeing Jimmy. Yes. and Because uh, Gene's not, I mean, and I, I know 
there's probably a, a lot of people that are Van Halen and Kiss fans. They, there's Kiss, a huge overlap. Kiss yeah, Kiss doesn't do. It's so weird to me. Like my my friend Brent, who I teach with or mm-hmm. talk with, mm-hmm. yeah, big into both. I Kiss does absolutely nothing. No, for nothing me. for me. Nothing. It's almost the not yeah. the opposite, but like. They're they're mostly show mm-hmm. little uh, in the absolutely. way of yeah. Uh, yeah. musicianship, all, all I guess. Frosting. There's no cake there. Yeah, it's all, all sizzle face paint yeah, frosting. No, no steak. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, but it is. But I guess that that's the overlap, I suppose. But you know, come on, come so on. So Stanley starts shopping them. Um, Gene, Gene does. Oh, Gene does. Yeah, okay. Gene starts shopping. He he brings them out. He they cut a demo in L.A. and then he, Peter Chris is nowhere involved in this. No, thing. Peter is okay. off licking his paws somewhere. He's doing <laughs> something, <laughs> licking his paws on the moon. He's a good kitty. But he so then and Gene even flies them out to to New York to finish this demo. He's so into them and he takes them to his label guy, who says, "No, I've already signed some other band, some band called Piper." Huh. from boston i i've never how, heard of that how'd that know. go <laughs> yeah right i believe he's one of the people that you would hear uh about kicking themselves at this point right possibly but uh so the band yeah so this band cannot get signed and they're really bummed out about it especially after the simmons thing which i think is 76 so two years after chevrolet at gazari's and you know so this is sort of like bob seeger goes out to la mm-hmm. comes back licking his wounds like yeah yeah, those Hollywood like, nights are rough. Yeah, right? you know those Hollywood hills. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so that, they, they feel like they've had this break, mm-hmm. and nothing comes of it. Right. Which right. I mean, you don't get those breaks in general, and then to have that break, they thought this was their shot, yeah. basically, uh-huh. and it did not come together for them. So, what are you going to do? Because at this point, they've kind of uh, they've got all their eggs in their rocking basket. You right. Know? Right. So it's not like Mick Jagger; they don't have that degree in economics to fall back on. Is that true? Does he have that? I think so. Yeah, I think that's a real. Thing. I know he was at like art college too, wasn't he? They were all in art college. Was Mick though? Because I, I think he has he has some sort of fancy degree. Oh, uh, I, I, was, yeah, that yeah. would not surprise me in the in the slightest. But fortunately for for the lads in Van Halen, fate is about to take a, a twisted turn here. And when we come back, we're going to discuss the uh, goings-on around the debut album of Van Halen 1 here on Van Splainin'. This episode is brought to you by Calculators. Remember the good old days when math was something exclusively for room-sized machines and brazenly asocial misfits? Well, a new day has dawned, technology has advanced at a rate leading to exponential size decreases, and here we are, awash with numbers fit to be calculated by mere civilians. Enter the calculator, that magical number machine that does the hard maths for you so you don't have to. Enjoy all of the computing power of your local Apollo spacecraft in an ergonomically designed handheld device with buttons worth pushing. The functions of such devices really start to add up when you consider that many are 1. Powered by the sun, sometimes. 2. Featuring liquid crystal displays fit for a Casio digital watch. 3. Actually a part of said Casio digital watch. And 4. Are capable of creating upside-down number analogs resembling vulgar words. How could you not want one of these miraculous devices? Oh, you don't want one of these miraculous devices? Sick to death of calculating every little thing? 
Stick that calculator right inside your pocket like a careless person of science. That's right, it's fucking pocket-sized. You too can pretend like there are no equations worth solving, no variables worth figuring, no squiggly lines representative of some mathematical function or another. Deny those maths like they never existed in an applicable real-life way at all. And sure, there are plenty of phones that come equipped with their own calculating applications, but can such technology make obsolete a different handheld device of similar size and portability just because it's better to carry one thing rather than two in one's pockets? Well, sure, but try remembering calculators for old times' sake. Kids love things that are vintage and retro, and what speaks to those descriptors better than calculators? Nothing. That's exactly what. Calculators. The plastic holder of numbers for your hand and pocket that is not your phone. Brought to you by the National Council for the Remembrance of Portable Calculating Devices, NCLS ID number 58008. All right, and we're back with Van Splainin'. Van Hey, 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 Aaron. How did you feel about that commercial break? Oh, that was a good one. That was really good. I'm excited to to hear the story about Van Halen. I mean, how do, how do they... How yeah, get their break. You left right. me hanging. Yeah, here. so a little cliffhanger there for you kids. Basically, the Gene Simmons demos goes bust in 1976. What is this band to do? Where are they to turn? It basically, hit their musical ceiling as far as where they were. I mean, they were without I, being signed. I mean, that sort of. Yeah, I mean, if if we heard them sound as good as they sounded in '74, I yeah. mean, I presumably they did not get any worse uh, into '76 mm-hmm. and '77. But uh, enters into the the story uh, a very important figure named Ted Templeman. Are you familiar with Ted no, Templeman? Not at all. Okay, so he's a producer. Let's let's check out who he's produced. Okay, so Ted Templeman is this sort of like. He he works for Warner Brothers. He's like a house producer. Okay. He produced Tupelo Honey with Van oh, Morrison, yeah. uh, and all the subsequent Van uh, records through. Uh, it's too late to stop now. The live album. He does some Captain Beefheart stuff. Interesting. Okay. Which uh, is not really my cup of tea, but you know, but no. people like it. He also does all the Doobie Brothers albums. Interesting. Yeah, of all the things. Huh. Um. He also works with a band called Montrose. Are you oh yeah, f- are you familiar with Montrose? Yeah, that's oh the the guitar player. What's Ronnie Montrose? Okay, lead singer Sammy Hagar. Oh, so he starts working with them uh, nineteen seventy three. Interesting. And Montrose uh, is was one of the one of Van Halen's favorite albums like that the self-titled album montrose was one of their favorites to jam to and they would cover songs off of there okay so just a little little hint of things to come i suppose but how he, funny that so so dave was singing sammy songs yeah in, <laughs> yeah oh oh broke it oh for you sure. did you did you did we're all guilty oh for man sure. we got to break out of this mold we got to rewrite history we got to do some not revisionist history but like a new school but of thought at the same about time, this i feel like we should finish what we started (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) i gotta get i gotta get a drop of from unchained the come on dave give me a break but i'm gonna put i'm gonna put aaron in there (laughs) (laughs) come on aaron give me a break Uh, because there's going to be a lot of those. Yeah. I have a feeling. If I know you, and I think uh, I do at this point, yeah. after after a decade plus, uh, there's going to be more of that. 
but so there's you know so Ted Templeman is a, is a man about town and he's he's producing hit records. By the way, you know my favorite Doobie Brothers moment. No, I don't know. If, I I think I I went on a Wikipedia rabbit hole with this, hoping it would be Jeff Skunk Baxter. Okay, but I don't think it is. But the uh, the, the intro to China Grove. That's oh. so tough. Down out. Yeah, with that, that high piano. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then the rest of the song is fine, but I could play that. I could just put that on. That's a great riff. That's what it might be. My walking around music in a movie. Okay, like your your bar entry, like when you walk into a bar, that's what comes on the jukebox. Is China Grove by the Doobie Brothers? I mean, I prefer like truly Green Onions would be the. Oh, I'd okay. Be, I'd rather be cool and walk into. Yeah, bar. yeah, 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 yeah. Mine's yeah. Search and Destroy by Iggy and the Stooges. <laughs> Every time that was that was college for me. <laughs> Find that jukebox. Um, so Ted Templeman, uh, he finds himself. I I think the story is that like he just uh, walked in off the street or something like that, and he runs into this band. It's, it's something like that. I don't yeah. look at it. It's on Wikipedia. Look it up. Look it up. The point is, we get these kids together. And his mind is blown, right? Um, for whatever reason, and he kind of he chalks it up to his. He was a musician himself, a touring musician in some kind of some kind of jazz band, I think, something like that. So he's he's like a player. He knows yeah. the deal. So he sees this kid on the six string, and he flips. You know what? Mm-hmm. And at this point, some questionable language will be in the offing. So as Templeman puts it, and this comes from uh, Greg Renoff's book, Van Halen Rising, in stores now. Go get it. It's awesome. Edward's playing grabbed Templeman. Let's put it this way, he says. Without Ed, there wouldn't have been Van Halen. That's for sure. I saw them and I thought, here's this genius. I'm thinking there's Art Tatum, there's Charlie Parker, and there's this fucker. I went, God damn, he's the real deal. So... He takes it pretty seriously. Um, <laughs> and Charlie Parker. Yeah. In fact, Templeman wow. says he put the flaws he saw in the band out of his mind because of Edward's greatness. I signed them just based on Ed. Boom. That was it. I was signing Ed as a guitar player and the band I was going to make work around that because I thought he was the greatest musician I'd ever seen in my life. I'd never seen anyone play live like that except when I used to go to jazz concerts. I saw Dizzy Gillespie, I saw Miles and all these people, but Ed played better than almost anyone else I'd ever seen live. I saw it instantly. I wanted to sign them on the spot. Those are strong words from a dude who's been around. Knows knows what he's talking about. Now he goes, so he works for Warner Brothers, so he's got to get the okay from one of the, the main dudes at Warner's. So he goes to this guy, Mo Austin. Now, Mo Austin is famous for signing Jimi Hendrix. Oh, okay. So, he takes Mo Austin back to the club, and he shows them the band, and Mo Austin is like, oh, yeah, absolutely. What are we, what are we doing here? Do right. it. Let's do it now, you know? Right. So, <laughs> they go into the studio, and they start demoing, and then eventually it becomes Van Halen 1, which is the, the debut album. So, they, they cut Van Halen 1 in 15 days, in ni- the end of 1977, fall 77. Uh, the crazy thing about it is we're going to find out is that most of it was recorded live. Oh, wow. Uh, like just straight through takes. Yeah. So, uh, but I want to, before we start listening to, to those tunes, like I want to give you a little glimpse of what was happening in 1977. Are you, uh, are you much of a Jeff Beck fan? Not especially. I mean, I respect him as a player. But yeah. 
Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. It's you know, like he's, he's everybody one of those says names of people. Yeah, they talk about. It. It's yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, he can. Yeah. So, sure. well, so I was when I was doing research for for the show, I was looking through some of the old guitar magazines as we talked about, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the issues, I think it was the mid nineteen ninety six with Pete Townsend on the cover of of Guitar Magazine has. Uh, I was looking at the the tablature, which is topical. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I was looking through the 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 tab for the songs because one of uh, one of Van Halen's later songs was in there, but also they had a song called "Lead Boots" by Jeff Beck. Okay, and now I've heard I've heard about Jeff Beck forever, and I've listened to Beck's Bolero mostly because Keith Moon does the drums on on the end part, and I like Keith Moon a lot. Mm-hmm. But I was I, you know so I went and I checked it out because like you know everybody talks a big game about Jeff Beck, so let's check out "Lead Boots." Let's let's see what's going on in 1977. Now this is apparently Jeff's fusion phase. Gotcha. So he's already done blow by blow, like seventy-five, which is like the one he's known for. But then we're getting some of this. Aaron, I don't want to give away too much here, but I'm going to tell you right now, I hate everything about this. I don't want to reveal my hand, though. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds like 1977 to me. I mean, it's, you know, he's a skilled player, yeah. obviously. Like, yeah, fine. People wouldn't be talking about him. He replaced Eric Clapton in the Yardbirds. Yeah. He's Jeff Beck, right? Yeah. But I mean, this sounds like garbage to me. Like, this does not sound like. I mean, it's fusion, so I guess like it, get, it gets a little slack there. But like, yeah, it's not man, terribly rocking. No, and I, I've I've some friends that I love and respect who are really into this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I respect the musicality, and mm-hmm. that just doesn't. Do anything for yeah, me. yeah, I know. So you know, we go from that. I can't play that. But. Yeah, I couldn't either. But I, I mean. Wait, something's happening, Aaron. I don't know what. Mellow Anthony. <laughs> so this is the first track off of uh, Van Halen 1 from 1978, released early 78. Running with the Devil. Now, here's the thing about Running with the Devil. Like, this is... It's the first... You're dropping the needle in 78 yeah. on the new VH record. Like, this band you've, you've maybe heard of somewhere. Yeah. And this, this song is like... Probably like bottom ten of their entire catalog. Like they're totally sandbagging here. Oh, like this is just okay. riff rock, right? Like right. this sounds. This could be any other band. I see. I don't know. Great vocals. Yeah. Great tone. Yeah. Great riff, right? Yeah. But you know, no different than like a Zep riff or a Deep Purple riff. Yeah. But then those we go into this. Right away, you get those Van Halen harmonies. Then this happens. Track two. Okay. The second track. Now, 
<laughs> that's all I'm going to give you. Just a taster because that's that's advanced level study stuff. Okay, but the <laughs> but it is one of my favorite parts of that record is the fact that like they they open with like uh you know just like very mid tempo to so slow think, tempo. I mean, it's obviously intentional. Yeah, you think the fear is that you you drop the needle on eruption too much, and yeah, people can't handle you it. can't handle it. Your stereo can't handle it. It's Society like, can't handle it. You got to warm up. You you don't want to you don't. Go out there for your your morning jog and start sprinting. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You got to ease. You got to ease. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as we know, as we've heard, like record labels were afraid of this band mm-hmm. because it was just too wild and outrageous. So let's let's start slow. Yeah. Let's ramp it up slowly. Yeah. But then let's go immediately to eruption. Which for uh, for the civilians out there, that is uh, this is the sea change we were talking about. Like if you were a guitar player in 1978 and you heard this one minute fifty second or whatever it is song, uh, you know you your mind is blown at this point. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like what is happening? Like right. everything has been turned upside down all of a sudden because in that one guitar solo, the second track of your debut album, by the way, don't, don't forget. Right. Yeah. He basically lays out every technique, uh, and, and, the the seed of every musical idea he would explore in that one less than two minute section of guitar playing. I mean, it's pretty mind blowing. However, we talk about that and it's great, but let's say, let's say eruption never made it onto the album. Right. right? So, and this is where we're going to start, start getting into our deeper cuts, I suppose. Okay. Um, so we're not going to go into, you really got me. No, we're not going to go into, okay. you really got me. No. Um, although that would be the following song track three. Um, we're going to go to a song called I'm the one. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I mean, I, I have, I have this on vinyl. I've, probably not listened to it more than once or twice okay so if i mean i probably heard the song once or twice no no idea no memory okay so let's say eruption the the famous song let's say that doesn't make it because the story behind that as you'll find when you go to wikipedia and look this stuff up is that uh, eddie was just practicing just warming up in the studio one day ted templeman walks Uh by and he's like what is this? Like, we got to cut this. Right. We got to cut it right now. Yep, yep. They take a couple takes of it. I think they took the first one, maybe. Uh, and, and there it is. Done. It's like the uh, Derek and the Dominoes key to the highway is something where it was a jam. And I think that the engineer like woke up or came in or something. It's like, oh, man. And, <laughs> and there it was. The oh, wow. All right, so this is I'm the One. All right, so this is I'm the One. Okay. Now, astute listeners to the Sauropod will recall that I made some bold statements on Rock Block with Finn Risley, uh, one of our, our uh, brother shows, sister shows, whatever, sister yeah. shows. Let's go with that. Yeah. We were listening to Reeling in the Years by Steely Dan uh-huh. and uh, analyzing this, and I made a, a proclamation that... One, I do not like uh, the Doobie Brothers-esque vocals. Right. Uh, so the tragic irony being that Ted Templeman is responsible for that and also my favorite guitar playing records. And that also, I didn't like the fact that Reeling in the Years, wa- I didn't like the shuffle feel of it. Now, it's okay. not so much that I don't like shuffles. It was just that performance on that particular track, I don't care for. It was a little... A, a little uh, 
taking it easy let's let's put it that way very jazzy and let's take it easy um however i do love shuffles because van halen specializes in what they call the fast shuffle so that's what we're getting here so if eruption doesn't exist i'm the one basically lays out the exact same vocabulary but in non-solo form okay so you're getting a little bit of everything here so what we're going to do is we're going to check out uh the original the the album version and then we're going to check out the guitar specifically and some certain hot spots so okay so let me give you an idea of what the the album version is like Right there, that little fill, yeah. like that knocks right. out about 90% of guitar players in general. Like right. you can't like good luck. Yeah. Now you'll notice uh, the guitar is panned hard left. Yeah. Now the unfortunate thing about that is that compromises the guitar playing, which is incredible. Like this is a very fast song. So what we're gonna do, some clever devil out there took the guitar tracks from the Van Halen uh, guitar what was it, guitar hero video yeah. game where they split up the tracks so you could play along if you wanted to, and just took those and just isolated Eddie's track. So that's what we'll hear now. We're gonna hear it dead center. Without the production and reverb, natural harmonics. Pinched harmonics. Now that's the rhythm playing that you've heard so much about. This is all straight through. Like, there's no edits or anything like that. This is just him setting up, doing all of this on the go, basically, uh, which is ridiculous. I mean, when it shows, when you hear it outside of the context of the rest of the band, I mean, there's a little bit of bleed, but not, I mean, you can't really hear what's going on. 
This just shows how important Alex is, too. I mean, on the riff part. Oh, yeah. How locked in they yeah, are. Yeah, absolutely. And they were all in the same room together. Listen to these fills, though. Second solo coming up after this. Look out. This is the one. Then they have the four-part or three-part harmonies uh-huh. breakdown here, but that solo is ridiculous. Yeah. Now, listen, you can hear, this is great, you can hear Eddie turn the volume up and put his hand oh. on the strings. Classic Van Halen outro. Okay, I'm the one. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on that, Aaron? So, and this, I think this is where it gets tricky. Mm-hmm. Because to me, it, I mean, as, as impressive as it is, mm-hmm. taken out of the context of the band, mm-hmm. it's it's definitely not as exciting. You think so? Than, to, to me as a listener. Okay. Yeah. Which is like, probably why they just left the band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he wasn't, I mean, in fairness, he was, he's designing it to work in that band context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy the acrobatics he's doing. Yeah, the technique is yeah. incredible. So that There's I mean, that so is so much in there too that he's doing. That he's laying out a roadmap for what everybody would try to do for the next ten years. Well, yeah, I mean, basically. you think about some of the Guns and Roses playing, for example, mm-hmm. it's a decade plus later. Sure, I mean, there's a lot of that on there. Yeah, you know, I'm sure yeah. you. I mean, even thinking of like Metallica stuff and. Well, the speed is a big part of it. Yeah. Like that's part of the the difference is that like they took seventies metal, I guess yeah. your your Deep Purples and your Sabbaths, and they just cranked it up yeah. like twice as fast. That's where the the lines start to blur between them and like the Ramones a little bit in a way because mm-hmm. it's that same energy that is yeah. brought to it, just different caliber of musicianship or whatever. So yeah, so that's a show off technique sort of thing, but like that's the whole well, which doesn't make it bad, but yeah, that's now do you th- oh, it's now do you think they can do it live? I mean I, I can we is there a way we could go back and see? Yeah, I would love to show you. So let's um let's just get back in our rock and roll time machine if you wouldn't mind. I hope you brought your passport because we are in Ipswich, England, and oh, uh, the okay. year is 1978. Um, and we're gonna go see uh, we're gonna go see the fellas. They are on tour with Black Sabbath. They're heroes. They're opening for Black Sabbath. I feel like Ipswich is a is a coastal town. Is my thought. Uh, it sounds like it would be, doesn't it? I'm, I'm, I feel like there's a Stephen King short story about Ipswich. Okay. Anyway, well, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that is now fact. 
Um, so let's check out. First of all, I want to give you uh, the intro. So to, they are opening for Sabbath. They're opening for Black That's Sabbath, fun. which uh, is fun, but also could you know if you're an opening band and this is brand new, like so this is '78. This is their first tour overseas. Nobody knows who they are. That's a tough gig sometimes because like nobody, maybe nobody cares so much. Uh, right. You know they want to go see Black Sabbath, uh, who at this point is coming kind of like winding down towards the end of their first phase with Ozzy. Uh, I think this is the last tour with them actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like, let's just check out the intro. How you, if you're Van Halen, how do you, uh, how do you start your show? Let's check it out. A lot of dudes in this crowd. They haven't hit the ladies quite yet. Surprisingly. Okay, everything's plugged in, everything sounds like it's working. And that's the song On Fire, also on the, the debut album. But that is uh, the, uh, Ed's guitar tech, Rudy Learon, doing that intro, which, oh, okay. which he does throughout the early 80s. Okay. Um, but you'll notice that they refer to themselves as the Mighty, the Mighty Van, Van Halen. Halen. Yeah. They're the opening band. Yeah, that's a... Um, the, their record just came out, but they are definitely mighty. So let's go to, let's go to the second song of the set. Ignore that guy. It's just Dave. As we can now hear, they execute. It's oh, not, yeah. There's no studio trickery or anything. This is just these guys have been playing for ten years together. Well, and the harmonies right there. Yeah, and they're doing all they're doing all the backing vocals. That's actually better than the album. It is excellent. That's wild. Some key changes. No big thing. Now, to be fair, I couldn't tell you what this song is about. Look at all these little kids taking care of the music biz. Doesn't matter. We're ignoring oh, all yeah, that. Who cares? It doesn't you, matter. Well, you can come onto a stage like this 
Yeah, I mean, you got to. I'd call myself the Mighty Van Halen. Yeah, you're the opening man. Bring this out. This is basically what put the nail in the coffin for uh, Ozzy era Sabbath because they got blown off the stage oh, every yeah. night. Yeah. Oh, here are these fills again. Oh boy, Solo Two coming in, coming in hot and furious soon. Over to Edward. You have just won over the crowd yeah. of Ipswich. Song two. They are set. apparently ready to rock. Yeah. <laughs> Pay no mind. Yeah. Dave promises the night has only begun. So that's uh, that's I'm the one, Aaron. I don't know. You got any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's that's just hot. Like having that in your arsenal. That's like a yeah. That, I, you know, there's some bands that I think think of shows in collaborative terms. Mm-hmm. And there's there's some. I mean, it's not like we play that often, but I do feel that there is a bit of uh, a martial aspect to it, especially if it's like a town that you're not as familiar with sure. or you're playing with people you don't know as much, mm-hmm. that you do have to bring out the good stuff yeah. and and really make a case for, you know, why should people pay attention right now? Mm-hmm. You know, is, is this worth my time to listen to? Especially with, you know, Flatfoot has spanned the... Uh, we started before cell phones were really a thing, certainly before smartphones. Sure. And I, I I, have a distinct memory of playing a show in Ann Arbor at a bar that wasn't really a music bar and seeing this this table where probably 10 people, like college kids at that point, mm-hmm. all on their phones, none of them talking to each other, you know, n- together but not together. Yeah. And I think you do have to, you have to go out there and make a case like, Hey, listen up. We're going to play some stuff for you. You know, you got to make people take notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and they had come up from, as we've learned, uh, the, the club scene, the covers club scene, yeah. and they would be playing for five people some it's nights. Like they're Beatles and Hamburg sort of 
Yes, exactly. Because they came out of uh, the, the backyard party scene in Pasadena, in which they would play in front of hundreds of kids. But then once you go into the big city, it's hard to uh, get some eyeballs on you. Yeah. So... I don't know. So that apparently this was their coping mechanism was let's rip out this uh this double time swing shuffle right. yeah, just- with with all the stops. We're gonna pull out all the stops for you. Okay, so now we've heard I'm the one a couple different ways. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Um now the what's fun is like we, you know, we joke around because like the tones in your fingers and everything, right? But right. but that is part that that's a real thing. Like it is like f- feel cannot be replicated necessarily. Like everybody has their own feel for the instrument and the way they play the notes and whatnot. Um, now to prove this, we're going to check out. Are you familiar with Songster? I don't. I don't know. Okay, it's a website where you can go get your guitar tabs, right? But they also give you uh, the ability to hear the computer's version of those tabs. Oh, okay. So what we're going to check out is I'm the one, the songster version, and just get a sense of the feel now that we've heard the way that the, you know, the fellas play it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this shit cracks me up. <laughs> Who's that robot playing guitar? So we can hear, <laughs> let's skip ahead to a solo, because <laughs> you can only listen to so much of that. Right. You know, feel is an actual thing. It it's, is. It's, yeah. not, it's not just a myth. <laughs> Anyway, you get the idea. Well, that's, you don't want to. You don't upset our Skynet overlords. I mean, that's well. No, I that mean, may be the best player that Skynet has. That's true. No. <laughs> I love the idea that they're they're controlling to a point where that might just replace the actual recordings <laughs> of the song. It's just like this is. We get it. Rumors um, of this vinyl. Yeah. John John Connor has his <laughs> record player hooked up to the generator. <laughs> <laughs> I've come to play for you vinyl. <laughs> I've brought you a stylus. But that does bring up, I mean, so that's, I mean, while you're, you, you listeners can't see, this is a an audio-only format, obviously, but like, while that robot's playing the guitar, the, the scroller's moving across the notes on the tablature, so you can see note by note what goes on. But it does bring, you know, like, when you think about, like, classical musicians or whatever, before the age of recorded music, like... We just got the notes on the paper. Yeah, like, right. What right. if what if Beethoven just played it totally differently? Like, mm-hmm. what if it was a it was all boogie woogie? You know, yeah. boy, that's a mind blowing little rabbit hole to go down. <laughs> yeah, like Chopin uh, doing some kind of like ragtime feel yeah. with his with his uh, nocturnes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Think about it. Or don't. That's fine too. It's just Van's Blaine and Van's Blaine. Yeah. So this is this is the start of our musical journey. That's this is a, a highlighted track from the first album. Um, what now, a track that is. Yeah. Um, I hope that does something for somebody. So I don't know. Anything else? You got anything else for me in regards to that particular number? I mean, he's using basically every technique, as I said, that he would he would use and exploit and explore and everything for the next. I don't know, ten to twenty years. Um, yeah, no, just that's that's hot, and to me that seems like something 
if someone came out nowadays and did that, mm-hmm. I, I still think it would get people going. Yeah, it makes you take notice. Yeah. Um, so it's important to 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 note though that that this this record changed the way the electric guitar was played in rock music. Like this is the the biggest change since Jimi Hendrix. Basically, if you are a guitar player in 1978 and you listen to this record, you either give up playing guitar or you go to your bedroom and you start practicing yeah. six to eight hours a day. Well, wasn't wasn't there a story from him in the 80s that? He would play with his back to the stage or back to the crowd. Yeah, when the uh, so once he starts developing the tapping technique, which we're going to get into uh, pretty soon here, I would imagine it's he's developing a new style of playing the guitar based on some tricks that other people had had utilized before. But he's developing them into whole new avenues of of music, um, and that didn't happen until around 1977, I think. So right before they got signed, and Dave of all people was the one who told him like you got to keep this keep this in your back pocket you know like turn turn around because everybody started every, because he had the reputation that he did people would hang around like the rehearsal space and like oh, listen and stuff like okay. that so in in 70s LA like it's gunslinger central basically it's yeah. like high noon out there you've got all kinds of bands out there trying to be the best and the fastest and all the studio dudes and whatever right? absolutely so everybody's looking for the next thing to give you that edge to break through but uh man you can't replace the original so yeah there we go now it's time for uh another section of our show ted while i agree that in time our band will be most triumphant the truth is, Wild Stallions will never be a super band until we have Eddie Van Halen on guitar. Yes, Bill, but I do not believe we will get Eddie Van Halen until we have a triumphant video. Ted, it's pointless to have a triumphant video before we even have decent instruments. Well, how can we have decent instruments if we don't really even know how to play? That is why we need Eddie Van Halen. And that is why we need a triumphant video. Excellent! Okay, so this part of our show, we're going to start calling Aaron and Justin's Excellent Adventures. Excellent Adventure. So, when you got a guy like Eddie Van Halen who, who blows musicians' minds uh, and is also something of uh, of an introvert, it strikes me, uh, from everything I can tell. You know, it's just a regular dude, but uh, he spends a lot of time keeping to himself and playing his guitar. That's how he speaks to the world. But over time, you start hearing these stories about the man himself from other people and uh they're pretty awesome sometimes so we're gonna pick through the catalog of uh of the legends because who knows how real any of this is sure it's a little bit of hagiography here but um we'll let it slide so i'm gonna pull a story here that's retold in niels lazawer's eddie van halen beautiful coffee table book this is for you can't see it but it's a it's a big you know, it's coffee table size, hardcover mm-hmm. mm-hmm. picture of Eddie really rocking out on the cover. Yeah, yeah. And this is uh so this was a compilation of photos that uh that Niels Laws took uh back in the day. He followed he was with the band from uh the very beginning, I believe, from the the uh from nineteen seventy eight uh through to eighty four, eighty five, if I'm not mistaken. So what he's got here is a collection of his uh photographs never before published. Uh in stores now, by the way. This is Chronicle Books, you can find this. www.chroniclebooks.com. And he's also got some testimonies from uh Eddie's peers and fans and whatnot in here. So 
I'm going to tell you a story here is told by Vito Brata. Do you know Vito Brata? No. He is a, he's an excellent guitar virtuoso from a band called White Lion, which was apparently a thing yeah, back yeah, in the right, time. with um, uh, David Coverdale. Uh, that might be Whitesnake. I think. How does that work? You can check it out. I want to say that I want to say that Coverdale was in White Lion before. Oh, okay. I know nothing White of White Snake. Lion other than Vito Brada as the guitar player. Danish vocalist Mike Tramp. Okay, active in the eighties and early nineties. Wait. Oh, when the children cry. Okay. Do you know that song? I've heard it. Oh, okay. So he's one of the he's one of the, the legions of guitar players who came out after this and kind of like took this style and tried to make it his thing yeah. as well. You know, tried to take it to the next level. So uh, this is a story he tells about uh, the first time he he sees Van Halen. So it was 1978, and a friend and I were going to a concert in New York City to see a couple of great bands. When we got there, there were flyers announcing a third band that night, Van Halen. Never heard of them. Are you sure they don't mean Van Morrison? I asked. <sighs> Can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, uh, so we sat there with our beers and waited. All of a sudden, with the lights still on, there was a rumble. The seats started shaking, then the walls, then the floors. I looked at my friend, who had turned a very interesting shade of pale. What's going on? What's happening? I heard a few girls in the front row screaming. One fainted. A kid's braces popped out. I saw a man's hairpiece go flying and land in someone's beer. Everyone was holding their hands to their skulls as if letting go would cause their brains to explode out of their ears. What do we do? Should we get close to the exits? You go first. But what if the sky is falling? What if the city's on fire? Something has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> then my friend kicked me in the shins. He screamed, hey, we're not going to die. I know what's causing this. An earthquake, I asked. No. An alien death ray? No. The Russians? No. The four horsemen? No, no, no. Then what is it? It's him, my friend said, pointing. Who, what, where? Look on stage. I stood on my seat and looked. Doesn't this sound like like as told by, you know, Christopher Pike or something? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a R. feeling. Steins. Yeah, right. <laughs> I have a feeling there might be uh, some artistic liberties being uh, involved in the storytelling here. Um, <laughs> I mean, especially a spaceship. No, yeah, right. <laughs> is it a, a ventriloquist dummy who's come to life? <laughs> yes, a Halloween mask that won't leave your face. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I stood on my seat and looked. There was the skinny guy sliding out from under the curtains on his knees with a whammy bar pressed so low that the strings were hanging a foot off the neck. What the fuck? On the way home after the show, my friend said I looked like Moses in the Ten Commandments after he came down from the mountain. I said, I feel like him. You know why? Because like Moses, I just saw God. <laughs> Vito Brada. There he is. You are staring at me. It's a hairpiece. It's, it's a I'm sorry. No, it was just that you look remarkably like Eddie Van Halen. I just saw Eddie Van Halen. No. Really? Yeah. Wow. Where? The Hollywood Bowl. Man, how was it? He's a zombie. Oh, it's, it's a freak. <laughs> <laughs> and so concludes another episode of Van Splainin. Thank you for listening, everybody. Be sure to check us out on iTunes or whatever platform we're using at this point. Uh, you want to rate us, you want to review us. It's good news for us. The more clicks we get, all that business, you know, we're we're out here. 
Uh, we're just trying to make a living, trying to make an honest buck doing podcasts about somebody else's attempts at making an honest buck. So that's what we do here. <laughs> I want I want to thank my co-host Aaron Bales for being here with me and indulging me. Thank you, Aaron. My pleasure. I'm. I, I feel like I'm getting a little more bandsplaining going on. Yeah. Do you? How are you feeling about this project at this point? Now that we've we've logged a couple few hours of this. Exciting to keep going on it. Okay. I'm. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, I, I feel, feel like, like journey's just begun. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a slow dance. You know what we I mean? We haven't even touched the Gary Sharon stuff. I know. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, boy. It's inevitable, Aaron. It is going to happen, too. Um, believe you me. I'm sorry for all the, the folks out there who don't agree, but, I mean, we're going to get into those Gary years. Uh, I just want to follow this Eddie Van Halen thread mm-hmm. through all the years. I want to see That's it. what it's all about, right? And that thread is, is a is a nine-gauge E-string. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm, yep, I believe so. <laughs> Anyway, that's it for uh, Van Splanen. We'll see you next time when we're going to go into the future a little bit more. I mean, we're going to be going into the past, of course, but we're going to, from this point, 1978, we're going to go, we're going to take some jumps. Take some jumps, if you know what I'm saying. Next time on <laughs> Van, Van Splanen. Wait, what was our outro from last time? I forget. <laughs> uh, oh, wait. Wait, stop your crying, Jamie. Or no, whatever. You do it. You do it. I don't know. Stop your crying, Jamie. We're going to vansplain it to you. 